I'm glad that we are here together. And uh, this week we begin a series that's exciting for me. Um, nowhere else for me in Scripture do we get such a complete picture of the love of God as we do in the book of Hosea. Um, Hosea is probably one of the most controversial books in all of the Bible. Uh, scholars argue, readers cringe, um, people are just downright uncomfortable with the subject matter of the book of Hosea. Now the controversy isn't about major theological shifts. We're not talking about you know, things that make people heritage or anything like that. What people argue about with this book is whether or not the events in this book actually did. Um, some scholars want to argue that it's simply a parable that was told uh, to prove a point that there's no basis in reality. Some also argue that Hosea really didn't know anything that was going to happen here. He just did these things, and, and this prophecy was uh, written in retrospect at what happened, that he was just simply not knowing what was going to happen when he got married. But both these arguments are based on some notion that some individuals believe that God wouldn't do what the text says he does here. Um, in my eyes, and in the eyes of other scholars, so it's not just me. In the eyes of other scholars, God would not only do what's written in the book, but he didn't. And what we have here in Hosea, uh, and the story contained in the book, is a historical biographical account of actual events. Uh, the prophet had a singular job in the Old Testament, and that was to speak the word of the Lord to a people who had gone astray. Now, they may chastise them, they may speak tenderly to them, they may do all sorts of things, but sometimes they found that words weren't enough. If you ask any teacher about teaching students, most will tell you that many students are visual learners, and concepts will not stick or click in their minds until they see it with their eyes, until they see something that they can grasp a hold of, until they experience the actual truths. And, and God knows this, and he works that way throughout Scripture as we read the Old Testament, especially in the prophets in various ways. When people won't listen to the words that God has given the prophet, he sometimes calls them to be a living example of that message. He called Isaiah to remove all of his clothes except for a loincloth and walk around as a picture of the damage of war and exile. He told Ezekiel to lay on his side for a long time and eat a starvation diet, basically, that he had to cook over animal dung. Actually, God wanted to cook it over human dung. And Ezekiel said, please don't make me do that. And so God gave him mercy and said, you can cook it over animal dung instead. That was supposed to depict the, the horrors of war and put it on people, which would come if they did not repent of their sins. He called Amos to hold up a plumb line to show the people how out of balance their lives were. God used prophets as living pictures time and again in the Old Testament. But no living picture prophet has ever been as painful as or truth casting as the one of the prophet Hosea. A story that tells us of God's scandalous love for us. And there, in the first chapter of Hosea, we read these words. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, and son of Jehoash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a promiscuous wife and have children of promiscuity. 
For the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. So he went and married Gomer, daughter of Elaine, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel. For in a little while I will bring the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said to him, Name her no compassion, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. I will certainly take them away, but I will have compassion on the house of Judah, and I will deliver them by the Lord their God. I will not deliver them by bow, sword, or war, or by horses and cattle. And Gomer had, after Gomer had weaned no compassion, she conceived and gave birth to a son. Then the Lord said, Name him not my people. For you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the number of the Israelites will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. And in the place where they were told you were not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. All the Judeans and the Israelites will be gathered together. They will appoint for themselves a single ruler and go up from the land. For the day of Jezreel will be great. Let's pray. Father God, we come you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Oh, we ask right now that... You would take this time to use it your Lord. Father, use me as the best for the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your love. Bless this time together. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say. Amen. I read the chapter and you're probably going, huh? The great love of God? <laughs> the book starts off normal enough, right? Like any other prophet. The word of the Lord came to Hosea, son of Beery, during the reigns of, and gave you a very specific person who this is, because honestly, there were lots of people named Hosea back then, so you had to give the specificity. This was the guy who lived in this place and, and served during this time, not to be mistaken with the other Hosea. And so it introduced the prophet. Every other prophet book does that. They introduced the prophet. Here he is. And then you have in the very first thing that God says this great big gut punch. Take for yourself an adulterous wife. Our text in the Christian Center said a, a wife of promiscuity. The King James says a wife of whoredom. Can you imagine being asked to do that? A prophet. Your job is to speak the words of the Lord. But what God says to you is go and take a woman who is adulterous. Hosea is told to go find a wife who is already sleeping around. That was the command to That's what God says. He doesn't say, go find a woman and it's going to fall apart. He says, go and find a woman who is already living this lifestyle. Can you imagine what this does for his reputation with people around? I mean, if you read the Old Testament and read what the priests were supposed to marry, there were certain things that they had to to do. And if they put away life of that, they were unclean. They were cut off from their people. This is like the Jerry Springer show. It's scandalous. I'm glad the kids are gone. I don't know who Jerry Springer is, but it's scandalous. I mean, it's, it's this scandalous thing. God didn't say, go and marry a wife who will become unfaithful. He said, go and marry a woman who is already unfaithful. Hosea, I want you to go in with your eyes open. And I want you to love her even though she's not who you want her to be and that she'll do things that you want her to do. You know, God enters a relationship with us knowing we will be unfaithful. 
Jesus came to die on a cross knowing that we're going to be unfaithful. Knowing that we're not going to do the things that we're supposed to do. Knowing that, that we're going to chase after other things. When God chooses a relationship with humanity, whether the Old Testament or the New Testament, He goes in knowing we're not going to be faithful. He chooses to love us in spite of who we are, in spite of what we're going to do. He knows from the beginning that we're not going to follow Him perfectly. He knows we're going to have a wandering eye. Because money is going to catch our attention. Power is going to catch our attention. Celebrity is going to catch our attention. The things that we have are going to catch our attention. He knows that. He knows going in that these things are going to pull us away. He knows that we are predisposed to be adulterous in our relationship to Him. And we know that from Genesis chapter 3 on. It's always been that way. Because all it took was for the devil to say one time to Eve, did God really say that? You know, you could be like God if you would just take a bite. That's all it took. And her eyes went that way. She had a choice that went that way. From, from the third chapter of the book all the way through, God knows, even up until today, He knows when He enters a relationship with us that we're going to be unfaithful. And that's what He's using Hosea to say to you. Israel had become prideful in who they were. By the time of the prophets, Israel thought they were somebody, right? We are the chosen people. <laughs> and God chose us and because God chose us we are special and because we're special that has something to do with it and so rather than being humble that God had chosen them somewhere along their way their attitude became one that screamed well there must have been a reason we must be special we, we must be special we it must have been because Jacob did what Jacob did it must, it must have been, it must, that must have been what it is. We, our, 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 our legacy, whew, they were good people. <laughs> you ever read the genealogy of Jesus? Whew. Not very many good people in that. Lots of things that are going bad, lots of things that are going wrong. But Israel at this point thought they were somebody. We are the people of God. And they began to believe that on some level he chose them because of who they are. And sometimes we find ourselves coming close to falling into that place. We find ourselves close to, to thinking, well, well, maybe we are better than somebody else. I walk the right line. I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with girls who do. I, I'm a good person and I walk that line and I toe that line and I do what I'm supposed to do and I do more righteous things and I do wrong things and I'm sure better than that person over there. We have to be careful to remember that God chose us where we were. In the field that we were living in, God said, I, I, I will choose to do this. God doesn't love us because of who we are. God loves us in spite of who we are. I didn't do anything to merit God's love. When we sang those songs this morning about the grace so free that was given to me, I didn't earn that grace. He didn't give it to me because I was a good guy who was walking along and he said, man, Troy's doing good. I should give him some grace. No. He said, look at that louse. He's wallowing in his filth. Let me give him something that will bring him out of it. He looks at us and he said, there wasn't anything about us that made us, made, that made us his choice. There was nothing about us that made him go, Christians, they're my people. Now we gotta let that one sink in for a minute. That's not even in my notes. Let that sink in. I gotta let that sink in for a second. There was nothing about us that made him say Christians are gonna be my people. Actually, he chose us in spite of the fact that we are who we are. What does that say to the outside world? <laughs> who are we supposed to be? 
We've got to remember that. It's easy to, to get a sense of our pride in our relationship with Christ. We sing songs like, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. And I always cringe sometimes when I hear different teachings that talk about that and they, and they, they go down too far with that. I'm, I'm, I'm a child of the King, so I'm royalty. And, 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 and so that means I should have this and that. And suddenly we're, we're calling down blessings from heaven and we're calling down the fact that, that God's supposed to give you money. And we have to be careful. We, 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 we sing things like redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Here's the question. What are we proclaiming? Are we proclaiming the fact that we were redeemed? Or that we are now redeemed. There's a difference. I'm redeemed. I proclaim Jesus. I proclaim the Redeemer. I proclaim the one who has called me into this. There's nothing wrong with those songs as long as you remember what we're proclaiming. Our proclamation is not about us. It's about our redemption by a scandalous love on the part of God. A love that chooses us knowing full well that we're going to fail. Knowing full well that I'm not going to be faithful. shadows and how they lived on was through their kids. And so God is not only saying to Hosea, Hosea marry this woman. He's saying she's going to have kids and they're not going to be your kids. You're not going to have a lineage. It's going to go away. You're going to sacrifice this. This is the life that he has. And we see three children in the first chapter that are named in order to make a point. The first one's Jezreel. Why? Because God's going to avenge a massacre that happened there. And then he says, and the second one, low, low Ruhama, is the, he's the Hebrew phrase. Low Ruhama. It means no love, no compassion. A child born from lust that's named no love. Hmm. 
a judgment on Israel for their fruit of adultery. And then, lo, I mean, they used to have a dog named Lo, I mean. Because she was my dog, she wasn't my people. But, name them Lo, I mean. Why? Because you're no longer my people. These are, these are the people, these are the children that Hosea had to, had to raise. What should have been the most joyous days in a man's life were probably the most disheartening. Can you imagine? Every time she gets pregnant and he wants to be excited, but he knows. He knows not just because of the suspicions in his mind, but he knows because God said, these are going to be children of adults. He knows. Story of Hosea is wrought with pain and upset, brokenness, hard-heartedness. It's, it's the story of God. Do we think about God in those ways? We don't like to think about God in those ways. That He can hurt. That He can hurt for us. That He can be broken-hearted. You know, the whispers and mocking still happen today. They just happen in a different way, right? Did you see what He did? And He's a Christian. Did you see how she treated her? And she's in church every Sunday. Some believers, they are with that attitude. With a church full of members like that, nobody's going to make it to heaven. Every time we rebel against God and live life according to our selfish desires, we're committing spiritual adultery on God. That makes me uncomfortable. To make you uncomfortable. I mean, because most of us came here today thinking we're not adulterers. And I just told you we're all adulterers. And now we're all going, oh, it's time to find a new pastor. <laughs> every time, every time we walk away and, and live things according to our selfish desires, we're committing spiritual adultery. When something else gets in the way of God in our lives, we give them a piece of what belonged to God. That could be our marriage. It could be our kids. It could be our church. It could be sports. It could be our television. It could be material goods. All of these things can become our mistresses. All of these things can become the one that we are unfaithful to God with. If we, when we act in that way, we devastate a God who loves us dearly. But He knows it. He goes in knowing it. The love God has for us is not that sappy romantic comedy kind of. We don't see it on a TV screen. We like to watch, okay, maybe most of the men don't like to watch the sappy romantic comedies. But sometimes women like sappy romantic comedies. They like those good things where, oh. But that's not love, usually. Because love is, love is wrong. Love is this choice. Love is this decision to put other people's needs in front of your own lover's decision that, 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 that it's, it's the choice I've made. The love God has for us is raw. It's honest. It hurts. It agonizes. It can swell to the highest heights or be stuck in the lowest depths. God's love is raw like an open wound. But God's love never quits. It never We don't think that way. We, 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 I've been there. Maybe you don't. Maybe your walk is stronger than mine. I know I've been there where, where I'm like, 
That's really done at this time. There ain't no coming back from this. There's no way God's going to want to forgive this because, whoo, I stepped off in it. Verses 10 and 11, the end of the chapter. Yet the number of Israelites will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place you were told you were not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. You will be numerous. The promises will be restored. It's not over. Even in the midst of the painful adultery, the love of God that shows for his people doesn't quit. There's a song. Probably should have just told Matt to sing it before I it. One thing remains, right? Your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me. That's God's love. It doesn't stop. It doesn't quit. It continues on. It goes on and on and on. No matter what we do, no matter how far we fall, God's love doesn't stop. That's why the parable of the, of the prodigal son is, is so special. Because that guy had fallen further than anybody you could imagine. That was the whole point of what that parable was. He didn't just mess up a little bit. He couldn't get any lower. He was wanting not to eat unclean food. He was wanting to eat the unclean food of unclean food. I don't think you can go any lower than that. But his daddy's love never stopped. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. Not because, not because we love him. It's not why he loves us. There are lots of people in this world that I love because they love me, right? That's, that's why I love them. But God doesn't love me because I love him. He loves me when I don't love him. He loved me before I learned to love him. God doesn't love me because I love him. God doesn't love me because I've earned it in some way. I didn't earn his love. God loves me in spite of who I am. No matter how many times I fall, his love still remains. It never quits. It never goes away. What makes hell hell? I'm going to say something now. And now, now I'm going to get off the theological stuff in here. It's like, let's get us a new pastor. But anyway, um, I believe the love of God is everywhere. Everywhere. Think about the tells us that, right? Where can I go from your love? I go to the highest heights, you were there. I go to the lowest depths, you were there. I believe the love of God is even in hell, but what makes hell hell is the love of God is right there, and you know it's right there, but you can never get to it. You can never get to it. I don't know if there's literal frames, flames or if it's just that burning knowing that you will never have what you could have had. And it's right there. This last week, I don't know how many times I stood in my front yard and went, there's a gas line right there. But we're not allowed to get it. That's hell. The love of God is there. And I don't think God even, even leaves his people that he loves there. But they can't ever get to it. It's there. If, if they could just believe in faith. But once you're in hell, 
you no longer have faith. Because faith comes by hearing. And once you're in hell, you've already seen God. God's love never quits. It, it never leaves us. And he asked this man, Hosea, to live a life that all of us look at and go, I don't know that I could ever do that. That individuals have, have tried to, to discount the story for years because God wouldn't do that. Because no man could go into that knowing that. And they, and they tried and they tried. But I believe that God told him to do it and Hosea did it because it was something that needed to be done. And this picture is a picture of how God loves us, knowing that we are going to mess up. We are going to walk away. We're not going to follow him like we're supposed to. And he still says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go. I'm going to give myself. I'm going, to, I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to love them anyway. Oh. Knowing that <laughs> I didn't do anything to get this. Sang the song earlier. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Until we get to that point where we realize that it's not us that makes us make those steps every morning, that it's Him, we're walking in a little bit of pride. We're walking in a little bit of arrogance. We're like the Israelites going, There's something about me. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I mean, that's kind of how we. God loves us with a love that doesn't stop. In spite of who we are, in spite of where we've been, in spite of the fact that we're going to fail again, He keeps on loving us. And that love transforms our lives. Maybe this morning, you've never thought about God's love in that way. Maybe this morning, you've always heard that for God so loved the world and you thought about the romantic comedy type of love with the hearts and the Valentine's Day candy and everything else. And you never realized that God's love didn't mean that. That God's love meant that He is going to put you first and He's going to love on you no matter what. You didn't realize that. And now you do. Now's the time to come and say, I want to know that love. Maybe this morning you have something else you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve at missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. But maybe this morning you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never known the one who died on the cross for your sins. Maybe you've never taken that step to say, I want to make him Lord of my life. And I want to be free, as the song said earlier. I want to be free. Now's the time. You walk down some territory. I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him this morning. Would you pray? Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings.